0: The Loose Cannons podcast is a free form discussion about film that contains mature language, such as poop and titty, and descriptions of mature situations, such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing and don't want to have the twists ruined for you, please watch the film before listening to the podcast.
1: It
2: now, she's, she's um, oh, I go I go on day Oh Jago Mo Pino anani Jagamolade Talk about it Hey now Hey now I go like one day Oh Jago Pino
1: Anane Jack Mofinade That's my burger voice My favorite one see that man all dressed in red We have that I, have to write I, I so go on day oh, oh,
2: oh, a bunch of five dollars who will kill you dead a that, this song is like
1: a, a, mur-
3: a murder
0: song
1: Yeah. Hey everyone It's another Loose Cannons Podcast Coming at you
0: <laughs> Coming, coming,
1: coming, coming At you, at you, at you I'm further away from my microphone Than I normally am <laughs> Patrick is joining me live in Birmingham. It's
0: because I am too close to the microphone.
1: <laughs> Today we're continuing Musicians Month and we're going to be discussing the 2012 documentary Chapatulas, directed by Bill and Turner Ross. Yeah. I got it. You got it. <laughs> you nailed it.
0: There were no Ross Turners in this intro. <laughs>
1: They're a real Ross and Rachel situation.
0: <laughs> Ross Blond and Ross
1: <laughs> <laughs> Will they? Won't they? Make this documentary? <laughs> Before we do that, though, let's do this. It's a little segment we like to call heralds and denouncements. I go, go one
0: day.
1: Hey. hey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hi patrick um i don't have anything to herald or announce because i've been busy making a movie instead of watching movies so that's where i'm at boring <laughs> is that movie going to be good though i don't know it's hard it's very hard to tell honestly <laughs> Like I've, I've worked on stuff that I thought I was like, oh, this is going to be good, and then it turned out to be crap. And then I've worked on stuff where I was like, this is going to be crap, and then I'm watch it and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good actually. <laughs> so you, you could, it's very hard to tell when you're making. Editing is important. Editing, yeah, yeah <laughs> I was about well, <laughs> Post production is a very important part of filmmaking. <laughs> Turns out,
3: you
1: can herald post production. <laughs> Good on your post. Turns out the joke of fixing it in post is actually 100% correct. <laughs> because before post-production, you have nothing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. Just have a bunch of random shots.
3: Basil. Oh, no. I forgot what I was going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> this. Oh, yeah. I remember. Um, we left it out of you. Yep. Uh... I am going to, uh, herald something that hasn't produced a good movie yet, but I think that it might, and that is uh, Neil Blomkamp's new weird studio, Oat Films or whatever it's called. Uh, he he put out three different shorts this year, and they're all made on a fairly low budget, but they look really good for like a 20 minute short and uh they got some really cool ideas all of them are like kind of like script wise like a little bit of a mess i feel like neil blomkab like relies too much on um like big weird exposition dumps like he comes up with these kind of like Unsettling, strange worlds, and I'm like, well, this is a cool world. And it'll be like three minutes of the 20-minute short film where a guy's just like explaining in a monologue. So here's what happened, <laughs> and then, uh. so you just cut out, you know, just cut all that out. We don't need it. But, uh, but it's a cool studio because it's like independent, and basically, uh, you know, he got his background in a in video effects and stuff like that, so he's really good at them. And his plan so far for the studio is make short films like this uh, and maybe do features based on some of the shorts if they work well and people like them. But he's funding all of it by taking all the, like, uh, CGI assets that he creates and then, like, selling them to other video effects studios (laughs) or, like, if you're an independent video game... uh, designer or, or creator you can like buy them on Steam and use them for your games or whatever so hmm. it's like a, a pretty, it's pretty cool interesting. yeah, model for continuing to make movies and like do them like you know close to a scale that he's used to like the effects don't look as good as like Chappie or something like that that has like a really high budget but they look extremely good for That's Chappie! <laughs> <laughs> For, like, a 20-minute short film, and, uh, yeah, there's some pretty awesome unsettling body horror in all three of them, so I would suggest sort of watching them, even though I don't know if there any of them are actually that good, just for, like, the couple of cool images that exist in each one. Hmm. Yep. Like the Dakota Fanning one. Uh, is basically the thing, but if the thing was just like instead of looking like a body just like Absorbed all the bodies, so it's like big tentacle arms that are made out of tiny hands that are like crawling across the floor That's really upsetting <laughs> <laughs> Nice like Sounds all the like fingers fun. move in different Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yep. Um, I watched Get Me Roger Stone, and that's so far my favorite movie of the year. Whoa. Spoilers Thanks. for the last end-of-the-year podcast. But it's, like, by far my favorite movie of the year so far. So we'll see if there's something else that happens along mm-hmm. that's going to be better. Um, but it's, like, the one movie I've watched this year that, nice, Basil just put on <laughs> very <Yeah>. cool sunglasses. <laughs> deal with In that. honor of the sartorial Roger Stone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah um so I'm not going to talk too much about it except that I think it's like the one movie so far I watched this year that has like obviously due to the subject matter a lot to do with the political moment uh right now but like the movie was made for over like 5 years so originally it hadn't even none- nothing to do with the Trump mm-hmm. election and the way that sort of seamlessly moves into that and that becomes like almost like the most like awful slash most uh um i don't know like uh like chilling uh Mm -hmm. idea of like all of roger stone's like machinations like really coming to a to a total climax like right on um when you already thought that the guy had like kind of become less and less important Mm -hmm. um and, uh, yeah, it's just a really, really fascinating.
3: hmm <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's an interesting uh, contrast with the uh, Laura Poitras documentary about Julian Assange, which had a similar thing, where Trump getting elected suddenly threw a very strange wrench into <laughs> what the movie was about and how the people- are able to pivot from that. hmm Yeah. Everyone on the far right likes Assange now. <laughs> of course. Thanks to those emails.
1: But her emails
3: <laughs> But uh a boy. My favorite oh, yeah. movie
1: of this year is by far my favorite movie too, but it's not that one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Only because you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. But if that movie, if I like that movie by far more than the movie that I have number one right now, it would be my number one movie of all time, which is unlikely. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> my that'd be favorite an amazing movie. Right now, twist. is something like 40 on my all time list. <laughs> wow.
3: Teased. <laughs> I feel teased. Yeah. yeah that'd be funny that. if we uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just pivot from. High and low, and you're like, no, this documentary that just came out this
1: year, that's my new number one favorite of all time. It's happening. You'll hmm. write it down. Oh man. Uh, Get ready. That into
3: the year oh.
0: podcast is gonna be epic.
3: <laughs> yeah, the other movie that uh Ruben and I already talked about this, but Landline sure had a wrench <laughs> thrown in it
1: by <laughs> Yeah. I think there was a tweet that I saw, um, Landline's going to come up again later, but um, (laughs) there was a tweet that I saw where someone said, I saw a movie this weekend that really feels like it was shot before the Trump election, and just should not have been released, (laughs) because it feels so out of tone with our actual current landscape, and they didn't specify, but I think it was Landline.
0: (laughs) <laughs> seems ooh, seems intriguing I, I kind of want to see Landline land <laughs> just for that reason <laughs> well, it's the it's like remember the
1: 90s remember Bill Clinton <laughs>
0: oh boy uh
1: I will be speaking about a movie that is not one of my favorite movies of all time gonna denounce The Matrix Reloaded <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> um So they added all the matrices to Netflix, and I had been meaning to, um, revisit them since they've been getting kind of a critical reappraisal recently, and I was curious whether or not I would like them. And somewhat surprisingly, like Basil, I thought the third one was okay. Um, there's some nice shots in it, but, uh... You know, a lot of what people said in the past, sadly, is still true about both the second and third one, which is that they really doubled down on the whole love angle. And in, be- in the intervening four years, carrie Ann Moss and Canna Reeves haven't developed any chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty big wet blanket on the movies in general. Um, but uh, that's not my... Biggest problem with the movie, my biggest problem is essentially that the whole political angle has been kind of abandoned. And both the second and third one, which is why the third one only gets three stars, is because it's like a decent action movie. But essentially, these were, if not shot, uh, mostly produced post 9 11. And apparently, you know, even back then, they had the whole Wonder Woman love conquers all angle let's ignore political Hmm. realities and it's like such a if you watch them all in a row i didn't but if you did it's such a huge departure from the first one which as i mentioned when i heralded it is literally championing terrorism (laughs) against a police state Hmm. um and then you know real world terrorism happened and everyone backed off that pretty quickly (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah it's uh it's pretty disappointing that um like for instance as much as i love speed racer and think it's a, a fantastic movie and a little bit um a little bit progressive and thoughtful in its politics it I'm imagining a world in which the Wachowskis had continued to be as uh, radical Mm -hmm. as they were in the first Matrix, and then also continued to to develop their aesthetic um, in the way that they did. Um, It would have been cool to see what they've done. Because definitely, like, even though I like it, Cloud Atlas is, you know, sort of the the end game right. of this political situation where it's like, wouldn't it be nice if people were nice? <laughs> it's like, no. That's a really boring political statement and also not true. It's like an even worse version of like Mitchell's joke about Arrival, which I don't think is an exact summary of what the movie is like, but it's like wouldn't it be better if we could just all communicate with each other? Right. Um, anyways, yeah. It was sad. I think the part with the ghosts is still very cool. I'd watch an hour of just the Matrix people fighting ghost people. Yes. <laughs> but other than that, the movie is mostly bad.
3: Yeah. Yeah, the Thousand Agent Smith fight, I do not like well, at all. Yeah.
1: They used to be in my... I remembered it. I don't know if... It, I. I really liked it when I saw it because it's been. I didn't. I hadn't seen it since the theater. It's been so long. Sure. But because it stuck with me, I assumed it was one of my favorite parts of the movie. I was like, I remember that. But then when I watched this time, I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's this goes bad. On, this goes on way
0: too long and it's not.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like Basil pointed out in his review, everything about it looks fake, not just Neo and thousands of agent smiths but like even like the background it's like even if they did shoot it in a real new york apartment like complex or something the way that they shot it or something makes it just look like <laughs> bad video game textures yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh yeah i meant to do talk about it earlier but
3: this is completely unrelated but i was i also wanted to herald my sunglasses because when i saw <laughs> Uh, Ingrid Goes West, the mm. douchiest character in them, <laughs> has this exact pair of sunglasses, even this color.
0: Yeah, was, he does. And I was
3: wearing them as I was watching the movie. Like, they were just hanging from my shirt. And I was like, wait a second. And I looked at my shirt, and i like... <laughs> and then you, you noticed sunglasses? you had someone
1: else's phone. Yeah. <laughs> you were you blackmailing blackmailing them, them. and <laughs>
0: you
1: were like, wait a Whoa. minute, <laughs> <laughs> Um. Moving on to a movie that probably cost, in total, the amount of one Agent Smith in the Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> 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 um, as I mentioned before, it's called Choppy Tulis, and um, there's, it's my pick, and there's not really a plot, per se. I feel like there must be a word for what this is, but it's kind of a cinematic map of New Orleans. Like, a, it's a documentary, and it's structured following these kids around specifically Bourbon Street for the most part and just sort of exploring, um, mostly musically, but just sort of like a cultural imprint, <laughs> tone poem, a collage, collage of New Orleans of the highs and the lows and all the different shit that's going on there pretty much every night anyways patrick what do you think of this movie
0: um i liked this movie uh (laughs) i enjoy movies that are i don't know i said that so weirdly yeah (laughs) um no i i liked this movie i i thought that they did a good job of uh sort of like unconventional framing with a lot of things because a lot of times i feel like documentarians will get caught up in like trying to frame stuff perfectly um and i i feel like here they they eschewed that completely for this more like amorphous feel to things they deliberately shoot things out of focus um and they even like manage some really interesting like fades and wipes with things where i'm just like ooh, that was a really cool shot that i don't think someone who was like shooting a movie in a conventional way would have thought to do well, mm-hmm. um, specifically, I'm thinking of there's a shot where somebody like breathes fire, and then it like fades into the fire, and then it like comes out of a light that's on a streetcar. I was like, whoa, that's was, that was like a really like cool cinematic shot in this really low budget documentary. I didn't expect that. Um, but I also like the you know the the interplay of the kids. I thought the kids were all like very fun characters. Um, It gets a little too, I guess, like on the nose, kind of like, oh, here's the dreams of this character at some points where I'm just like, okay, it's kind of, you know, like it kind of fits in with, with what the movie's about, but it felt a little bit too, I don't know, like, I don't know what the the word is that I'm trying to think of, but it, it, it was a little too like 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 a thing that i i always see where it's just like oh here's somebody who has big dreams you know yeah. and i'm just like uh that's uh, fine i guess it's whatever i don't i don't care for it that much but it, it is kind of interesting that they do sort of tie in his practicing the recorder <laughs> which is like the most basic like school instrument ever to all of this other like musical collage that's going on in new orleans so i thought that was kind of fun no.
3: basil yeah the the one thing of patrick what patrick mentioned that i did like is the part when he talks about how he's going to be the first person to get a star on the walk of fame for flying that was, a <laughs> that, cool dream was that, to have. that was funny <laughs> that, yeah that was funny <laughs> um yeah i thought this movie was fine I don't know. Uh, Apparently, I'm in the minority. Everyone on Letterboxd seems to get, like, four and a half and five star movies. But I thought it was decent. Like, there are things that I liked about it. But also, like, there were certain moments where I was like, this feels very consciously constructed in a way that, like, makes me feel weird. Like, I'm just like, the the whole thing with them missing the ferry, I was like, okay, they referenced the ferry very early on, and then they just, like, happened to men- miss the ferry. Like, would the movie only be, like, half an hour long if they, like, hadn't missed the ferry? Like, was it, like, oh, we were just going to go home with these kids? And that would be the night. I don't know. It was <laughs> weird. And there are a few other moments like that. And I don't know. Like, uh, I guess, document uh, like, it, its staginess didn't feel like Interesting to me the way that, like, someone like Agnes Varda sometimes will be like, Hey, I'm making a documentary, but documentary is also kind of a fake thing because it's a movie, and here's where I'm making you aware of that. Like, but I don't know, can get into more specifics as we go.
2: Ilya, yeah, I liked this fine, I didn't really love it uh, too much. Um, but uh, I thought it was pretty uh, fun way to show, like, the whole French Quarter thing, not, like, in this typical, I guess, fashion. Uh, I'm trying to find, like, uh, snapshots of, like, everything the way mm-hmm. that it would seem when you're, like, just running past some of these things or, like, quickly looking at them, which gave it, like, a feel of, like, maybe even, like, actually being there more so than it would if you were, like, filming, like, a long sequence of, like, someone walking into one of these bars and, like, hanging out there with people and, like, something happening there. It's more like just you see this singer and then you see that musician and then you see this stripper and, like, whatever. Um, and that it's all, like, filmed from, like, I guess a kid's perspective was, like, interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, I would agree that some of the things, like bother me actually the one with the part with the fairy has that scene where this kid like falls down and the camera just like kind of hovers over him (laughs) as in this like reminder that a documentarian may not partake in whatever's (laughs) going on in front of the cameras like you douchebag you could have like helped him up or whatever it's like a (laughs) fucking kid that just fell to the ground dumbass um so that was like it
1: was in any trouble
2: (laughs) Yeah, but like it's just like, so he falls to the ground. The camera is just like, oh, let me look at you, like being on the ground. It was just like kind of gross. I don't know. Um, <laughs> he didn't and, uh, fall in the
1: river. <laughs> he tripped. I'm pretty on the sure ground. he would have
2: kept filming if he fell into the river as well. That's a pretty big assumption. Um, well, the kid could have been a good swimmer. Who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: Uh, I was more weirded out by the fact that he lost his shoes apparently when he tripped because he came up and he had no shoes on and I was like what
2: oh yeah poor guy now I mean some some things like just felt a bit like off in, in a strange way and I thought the dialogue between the kids was like sometimes really fun and also sometimes like kind of quasi scripted in a way like um, some of the exchanges felt like a little bit like too. Like, not rehearsed, but, like, not quite what you would perhaps usually would say if some people, like, asked you stupid questions a lot of the time. Like, sometimes the kids got annoyed at him, but a lot of times it just, like, went along with it too easily, I thought. But, yeah, anyway, so it's like a middle of the road for me.
1: Um, I, I I love this movie, so. <laughs> um, I thought it was extraordinarily tactile, I didn't feel, I especially didn't feel that, obviously, since I was arguing against it, the thing that (laughs) Julia just felt, I felt um, very clearly, like, the documentarians didn't care that they were, uh, like, part of the subject. Like, Patrick kept pointing out while we were watching it that you could see mics and shadows and cameras and that they didn't Mm. try to edit around those things. Like, you know, it wasn't like... Jafar Panahi walking into the shot of his own movie but I felt like they were uh comfortable with their presence in the movie and that being aware of that and their status as like ethnographers of like kind of a pretty lower class existence in New Orleans like captured a bunch of what I liked about Beasts of the Southern Wild without nearly as much problematic baggage
0: mm-hmm.
1: attached to it mm-hmm. and this movie had like a pretty deeply sort of like um, I don't know poetic feel I guess um, I thought the music was really beautiful and like Patrick I felt like considering the equipment that they used I was like pretty surprised at how uh, taken I was by the cinematography Of the film at certain points in particular when they're exploring the abandoned whatever I was just like well about the riverboat yeah yeah. just I was just like whoa I can feel this place in a way it's pretty rare for me with films Mm. so yeah I And I feel like, if anything, I feel the exact opposite of Basil, which is that if they managed to make like a clear arc in a documentary by capturing like a bunch of footage over a week, that that's an impressive thing, not like making it feel scripted, that if they were able to like create, I don't know. But I didn't really feel like there was an arc. I just felt like I was wandering around a city for a night, even though it probably they shot it over a couple of nights.
3: Yeah, I mean, just... I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. It was only really the the fairy part that bothered me. Because I was like, you don't need that. Like, I don't know. It, like, the fact that it comes up very, like almost immediately in the movie is like, oh, the fairy leaves at midnight. We got to make sure we're back by midnight. And, like, he says it, like, multiple times. And then, you know, like, then when it's time to catch the fairy, they just like happened to miss it and I was like, this could have happened for real, but it feels very weird that they that they really hammered it home within the first like ten minutes of the movie that it's important that they don't miss it and then they do. And I was like kind
1: of the difference there might be that I didn't understand what almost anyone was saying during the entire movie. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I Michael Jackson came up, but like to me, it was just like one of the reasons that I liked the movie is that Oftentimes I couldn't understand what people were saying, but I liked the way that it sounded like mm-hmm. the way in which people moved and The tones of their voices and stuff like that. So
0: Yeah, I missed the ferry thing too I didn't yeah. realize that they had talked about it until until they were like the gates closed and I was like, oh, I guess they missed the ferry <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, I, guess
3: I... I unlocked out being <laughs> <the> comprehension <laughs>
0: yeah i mean I, I i thought it was kind of interesting that they actually like did the whole thing with like giving it a structure of like this i don't know almost like kind of crazy night out where it's like oh no you missed the ferry so you gotta like walk home or whatever or you gotta wander around until it comes back mm-hmm. and so it sort of gives it a reason to exist in this space and it almost feels like one of those nights that you have like in your life where it's it's insignificant to the overall like universe or whatever but like to you personally you just sort of end up remembering things about it for whatever reason and it just like comes back to you later in your life and you're like oh yeah i remember that night where we like missed the ferry and landed like, to like wander around the city or whatever so I yeah although
2: like the main thing that makes it like very particular in this movie is like the so one of the kids is like nine years old I think right he's not ten yet I, I, I think the others are a bit older right his brothers I can't remember. so it's like I mean it's like one thing if like I don't know like you're 20 and you miss a ferry and then you end up hanging out in, the, in New Orleans at night for like a whole night that's one thing if you're like a little kid then obviously it has this other connotation that it's like dangerous right like or it should be because most of the time in the French Quarter, where you're running around, it's mostly like yes. older people getting drunk and like trying to get into, thrown out of strip clubs or whatever. Like, that's like the crowd you're usually surrounded by in that place, right? I think, uh, yeah, I, I think the movie
3: does a pretty good job of not insinuating that at all. Except, I guess, the part when they first sneak on the riverboat, I thought that there was like, uh, a, like, weird sense of tension that i didn't appreciate like once they got on the boat i agree with ruben i was like whoa these shots are really beautiful but the parts when they're sneaking around in the dark and there's like weird ambient noise i was like i don't like this like now this movie's like briefly a horror film that seems silly like yeah uh, yeah
0: i didn't buy that part i i think you're right i didn't buy that there it was like oh no they're actually in danger or whatever because i was like no they got like a camera guy following them probably a sound person two camera people yeah and there's there's also in the credits we noticed there was somebody who was credited as muscle so apparently like a grip or something was just like following them around just like just this beefy dude carrying cases or something like that
1: but yeah I also think that like I don't know I don't know if I would go so far as to call it pointed but that like the difference between young black children wandering around a city in the middle of a night like that this is something that just happens to them all mm-hmm. the time that they just have to grow up and deal with that that is I don't know to me I think that's a ugh, frozen that's a it's a meaningful point of distinction and uh that like. That, it, that it's of course uh, sad, but that like, it's not like, I don't know, it's not like the 400 blows, like, and that's sad too, that like, we don't watch it like that movie and think like, oh, this is not how a child's life should be, but we watch it and, like, oh, this is how this whole class of people's lives all, almost always are. Right.
0: Yeah, and you <laughs> think about also the people that they run into, like the street musicians too, that's sort of been their life as well because that's how they make a living is just like going around playing music on the street and it 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 does sort of point it at that where it's like here is sort of part of this culture that is like just people living on the street playing music all the time and they they don't have a fairy to catch they're just always wandering <laughs> around <laughs> So I, I I thought that was you know, I, I liked that kind of almost like it's this like half remembered journey from mm. from long ago feeling. And also the the fact that they, they managed to tie in the the sort of like this child's musical dreams as well, where he's like you see him <laughs> at the beginning like getting into a fight with his brother and then like playing the recorder and then it, it sort of comes back later where he's like talking to the woman about the flute and she's just like if you learn the recorder you can learn the flute too it's the same like finger structure and so it's almost this like elevation where he's realizing that what he's doing now can actually lead to something greater and i and really I like
2: what she yeah. said at the end of that scene where she wishes them to have a safe and adventurous time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i
1: um i like that scene too but for a slightly different reason and maybe i'm just reading race into a situation that has to do with age but i was like man white people sure have a way of talking to black people don't they <laughs> it's like i'm gonna teach you how the world works <laughs> and like part of me wanted to be like fuck off fairy lady <laughs> uh, <what> a- <laughs> actually this is a bass clarinet you could tell the difference by the reeds. <laughs> She could have just been a big nerd, but... <laughs> I yeah. mean, based off her costuming, that's definitely a yeah. good possibility. But to me, I immediately read, like, as, like, this is how, like, She's white sort of, people get yeah. so excited, like, to tell, tell, the, yeah, the instruments. to tell a black person something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. you like to know? <laughs> Actually, here's the distinction in The Woodwinds. <laughs> <laughs> and i also liked that uh michael jackson comes up multiple times <laughs> in the movie um and that uh when they're on the riverboat you just see the little kid like practicing his like michael jackson moves on the dance floor <laughs> i was like this is a really fun scene right here
3: <laughs> yeah i also like the funny and uh i mean i don't know as someone i feel like if you've had younger siblings or whatever like uh like you get into something and then tell them about it and suddenly like it's theirs or whatever like when he's like i know more about michael jackson than you do and they're like (laughs) yeah you hadn't even heard of michael jackson until like a week ago yeah Yeah.
1: i like how he's always like two steps behind them and like trying to like talk at their backs like convince them to he's like part of the group and the two older Mm -hmm. boys just continually like sort of half ignoring him (laughs) that felt very real to me (laughs) as a younger sibling my my favorite part
2: of his conversations with them was when he talks about how women like men with feelings that was pretty cool
1: (laughs) And who get enough sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it's so like I'm going to sleep. Women yeah. like
0: guys who, who sleep enough. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: oh,
3: yeah, I
0: think your microphone may be like disconnected or something. It's breaking up a little. Oh, yeah? Okay. We'll see.
1: I thought it might
3: be. Because you guys are breaking up for me a little bit. Internet um,
0: connection issues. Basil wasn't breaking up. I was yeah.
2: worried
3: about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think it's uh, it uh, internet.
0: Oh, could be. Could it yeah. just be his microphone? Come out and video. then come back in. Oh, his video seems to be doing fine, but it's just the microphone. I don't know. All right. Te- technical issues. Uh,
2: Let's see. If it gets better.
0: Maybe it is the internet. I don't know. Damned internet, allowing us to do this, but shoddily. <laughs> mm-hmm just dangling that carrot out there it's like you can talk with your friends but it's gonna sound really <laughs> shitty and you're gonna be annoyed by it we should all just decide on a location
1: that we're all gonna live in and move there yeah. just we just should move to new orleans i feel like <laughs> this
2: should be really cool
1: yeah new orleans is like that's a good idea just put every country in a hat be like luxembourg <laughs> <laughs> damn it <laughs> guam fuck <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have too much to say about this movie. I thought that, like I said earlier, it's very rhythmic. We were talking about post production at the beginning of this podcast. I think the post production of this movie is very good, Um, and you know, I feel like it does a much better job of handling race than *Beasts of the Southern Wild*.
0: Take that Beast of the Southern Wild. Which yeah, I also face. like. Yeah. I like that movie seen. Too. I haven't seen, but. Yep. Lots of I'll people hate on. it. Yeah, they <laughs> sure I'll do. So, uh,
3: I'm really angry about it. Yeah. Uh, I like that part when the guy, he's like, when, when they go to the burlesque place, they're like in the dressing room for a little bit and then like just in the weird. Um, hallway there's like a guy playing the godfather theme on us. by the (laughs) way
0: is that what that was i there were some songs where i'm like i've heard this before but i can't place what it is yeah
3: it took me forever to figure it out like i was like fuck why do i know that so well (laughs) yeah it
0: took us a while to figure out uh there's there's some sort of like i don't know like a uh what are they playing it on? It's like an accordion or something playing Killing Killing Me Softly. It <laughs> at took the, us a while at to the end, yeah, yeah. Like, at the very end. Second. What yeah. is that song?
1: It's, it's the like harmonica, a uh, for when the I harmonica, yeah. Mm-hmm. When the night is ending and the sun is starting to come up, <laughs> Killing Me Softly by the Fugees.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah. by Roberta Flack.
1: No, they were playing <laughs> Fug- the Fugees version. Okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I heard Wyclef Jean in there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: One time, one time. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. Uh. There was some.
3: There was some oh yeah, some I wanted time. to bring up the Josephine Baker thing. That's, oh yeah, yeah. That, I thought I that was how pointed feel about as well.
0: That. Yeah. Well, th- that that felt also like racially pointed because that's mm-hmm. something that's very like in the history of, I guess burlesque but also in just like american culture in general that was like yeah. this thing that was like very exotified where she had the like banana skirt <laughs> i was like oh yeah that's that's something that's very like there's a reason that they showed that performer in particular mm-hmm.
1: is it the same woman who's then sitting there like all sweaty in a towel yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they were rehumanizing her after that moment yeah. Was like sure. yeah that's just a person yep. who's like She's doing like, a really Ooh. hard job She's like, Oof, <laughs> my
0: job's over finally <laughs> time to punch that clock yeah.
3: it's a strange uh, thing that that still exists though like I couldn't see the audience but definitely like the MC and the whole band behind her were
1: all white people and I was yeah. like that's weird yeah, <laughs> <It's> uncomfortable <yeah. laughs> Wait, are you saying that racism still exists? And that white people might still use old stereotypes of black people and how to interpret their humanity? I was as surprised as you are. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in the the context of erotic entertainment. (laughs) Black women are very sexual. (laughs) That's just a fact established by science. (laughs) Oh, boy. <laughs> by sexy science. Yep.
0: Sexy, sexy science. <laughs> Good old sexy science.
1: Yeah, by the classic uh, Department of Sex Science.
0: <laughs> uh, Erotic science. Uh, <laughs> One other thing
2: I really liked about this movie is when um, they are, like, with, with, they're shown to be hanging around with the marching bands or, like, the bands that are, like, on the corner. I thought they got that part really, really right. Like what Ruben talked about it being rhythmic and being like very well edited and sounding really good. All of that was like so on point then. Like it really felt like being there again and like listening to that stuff, which was like by far my favorite uh, part of being in the French quarters, being on these corners where people were playing and like running around with all the like bags of cash where people <laughs> were just like throwing cash in them, and, like they were just like h- hanging them on their heads and stuff. It was really, really fun, and like it sounded really good too. Like the the drums sounded awesome. Like the mm, all the instruments sounded really great. Like that's not easy to do when you're like uh, just recording like randomly on a corner somewhere. So I bet yeah. they yeah they yeah took yeah. some doing.
0: A lot of times you'll get like re- a real bad. Mix like a certain instrument will sound way too loud, like the drums will sound way too loud, or the like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're standing nearest will just be like drowning everything else out. But Mm. right, yeah, I agree. Good, good sound mixing on that. I like
1: uh, robot Ilya, but I gotta be honest, I miss human Ilya.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it still sounds so weird. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. It's like a robot sound. Oh no. I'm just afraid that it's gonna end up in your recording, and that we're just gonna have robot Ilya. Well, I guess. I'm
2: looking at my recording, and it sounds okay. Oh, well, it looks fine. Is like it? the okay. things don't look cut up or whatever.
0: Uh, I can understand you well enough, but I'm, I'm afraid that we're gonna have like a, a moment where you freeze, and we just <laughs> no. Don't really see it at all. <laughs>
2: Uh, um, okay, wait a second. I also thought um, there was a. moment... how, about, how very... about now? By the way, does this sound better? Not, no, no. no, okay, very, not at all.
3: <laughs> uh, you should try just leaving the Google Hangout and coming back. It could be like something. Yeah.
1: All right. Or turning down your bandwidth? Mm. Yeah. But uh-huh.
0: I, I also wanted to say I there was a moment I thought was pointed was when they're outside uh, Cafe Dumont. Because Ruben and I both like instantly recognize this. like mm. that place, it's like that's the bougie white place, like in the in the French Quarter, where you can go get beignets and sort of like stare at the I don't know, the like you know color of the city, if you will. <laughs> it's like yes, there's only white people sitting in there eating <laughs> beignets. <laughs> Well, only
1: white people have the time to wait in line. The other people just go to the beignet place down the street that doesn't have a line around the block.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I just thought it was very pointed that the kids are like walking around outside of that, Mm -hmm. because there's like a chain around the outside of Café du Monde.
3: That reminds me of uh, Voodoo Donuts in Portland. (laughs) It's a decent donut place in a city that has many, many different donut places that are all very good. But that one always has, like, a huge line because they kind of uh, created a, an image of, like, tourist trap or whatever. Like, if you see a huge line of people, none of those people live in Portland. They're all just <laughs>
0: <laughs> from out of town. They heard yep, this place was the night. place. It's
1: all out-of-towners out of who listen to Doug Loves Movies podcast. <laughs> yep. Since he's mentioned so, that, like, 20 times. Yeah. yeah, every time he's in Portland.
2: I don't know if you like live in, it's in your own town and you want to go eat, would you want to be like standing in line forever? Like that's just the kind of thing that you do when you're like traveling somewhere and you're like, okay, I'm up for that sort of thing. Like if you live there and you're like, I got to go to work tomorrow, I don't want to stand in line for like two hours to get a donut or whatever. Or, to be put weird. it a
1: different way, when you're on vacation, at some point you subconsciously realize that there isn't actually a week's worth of activities to do in Portland, and you're like, might as well waste an hour standing in line. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, well, to, uh, to, to to bring it to like a real-life example, this weekend I hung out with uh, my friends Quinn and Peyton, and we decided to go to this rooftop place that none of us had ever been to. It's like apparently a new place in Birmingham, but... We went and stood in line for, like, five minutes, and Peyton was like, if we have to stand in line any longer, we're leaving. <laughs> so That's probably more telling of Peyton's character than anything
3: else. I uh, Yeah, I was going to say that I... Uh, people in Portland, besides voodoo donuts, because everyone knows better, people in Portland otherwise love standing in line, because... Uh, like... All that's of character. the most popular <laughs> brunch spots in Portland, like if you go on a weekend, like you're gonna wait an hour to get to t- t- a table, and it's not all tourists doing that. It's a lot of people who live here just like, yeah, uh, every Saturday I go to brunch, I wait an hour and then I eat some food that's pretty good. <laughs> 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 it's part of our culture
1: now. Cool. I've never felt like months. it was worth it. To, to wait in yeah. another line? <laughs> yep. Here's a line to decide what line you wait in. Ooh. I do like waiting <laughs> yeah, in lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think deep, that
3: I by the time I decide to eat somewhere, I'm way too hungry, and I'm a very ir- irritable person when I'm hungry, so I've never <laughs> felt like it's worth it for me. Would you describe people, yourself as
1: hangry? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to, but since you put the words in my mouth. One of the worst words that anyone has ever invented. Uh, yeah. I love portmanteaus, and I want to throw that one in the garbage.
0: Who yeah. <laughs> invented that? Like Snickers or something? I don't know. Yeah.
1: I, I don't think it was corporate people. I assume there was like middle aged white women invented it. <laughs>
0: Just like guesstimate.
3: That's another pretty annoying one. Yeah. I hate that word. I like that the little kid somehow, at some point, he gets like a sword
0: and that it oh, helps yeah. him
3: get a lot more beads than other people would. Yeah. It's a sword but up the, to the, yeah. Floor. But the, the fucking, that? yeah, but the fucking
0: police officer's like, don't poke anybody in the eye with that. I was like, fuck <laughs> this. Like, get the fuck out of here. It's a goddamn, like, two-foot-long wand. Like, he's not gonna <laughs> poke anybody in the eye with it, you asshole. You'll <laughs> shoot up. your eye out, kid. <laughs> I know, right? And I was like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. You can't even goddamn get beads on Bourbon Street.
1: <laughs> I really loved the first shot of this movie. Oh, yeah. The slow, like, fade like, into focus. I was just like, I'm gonna really like this movie. This is a shot you don't really know what's going on and then slowly becomes clear that it's young boy's face he's like riding in the back of like a truck or something right yeah yeah
0: Um, it's like along the side of the road and you see the houses and then like
1: you more clear it's same thing happens with this dialogue where you sort of can't hear what he's saying and becomes more and more clear and he's talking about insane things (laughs) he's (laughs) gonna win six super bowl rings Yeah, (laughs) and i was like i love this
0: movie
1: and then i never stopped
0: (laughs) And then he's it was so funny, he said he's gonna win six Super Bowls and then he was gonna become a lawyer and an architect.
2: Yeah, he's gonna retire like three times. This kid's
0: got big dreams.
1: Yeah. The number of players who have won six Super Bowls is like three.
3: (laughs) I had a lot of things when I was nine that I was like pretty sure I was gonna do with my life. Nine year old me'd be real disappointed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gotta you just learn to temper those expectations, kid. Guess it's good to aim high though. Yeah,
1: it's fine. I wanted to be an architect. I didn't have like seven other dreams. But <laughs>
3: I definitely did. I wanted to be a lawyer and an architect at various points in my life. In my young, young life. And a basketball star, so I was basically this kid, except for
0: basketball instead of football. When I was five, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Because I watched watched Star Wars so many times, I was like, I want to fly X-Wings. And I was like, they'll probably have those by the time I'm old enough to fly a plane, right?
3: Yeah,
1: nice. Little personalized spaceships.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, no one has won more than five rings as just a player. Everyone else has won it either as um, coaches or one person won four as a player and then two as a coach. Nice. <laughs> In your face, kid!
3: It's never gonna
0: happen. he can become a he can become a player and a coach. Yeah, can he can become players. a coach. <laughs> He'd be the you know the strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> what he meant to say was, I'm gonna play for the New
1: York Giants. They're gonna suffer through a lot of six <laughs> and ten and seven and nine seasons because they're no good. <laughs> then I'm gonna become the line coach for the Patriots. <laughs> oh boy! I'm win six six rings is you know. the offensive line coach—that's what he meant to say.
2: Yeah. <laughs> six-year-old me wanted to go live in Africa with like a lion pride. Wow. Um, six but six-year-old year old me had no con- really conception. Really like excited. <laughs> yeah. Africa. Six-year-old me was like a weird like <laughs> had like weird like <laughs> colonialist attitudes towards the world <laughs> and had no conception of well, how capitalism worked and that, you know, you can't just fucking do that. Well, like,
3: well, you drunk kid. Can't, pig, can't do
2: it, little kid. Rudyard
3: yeah. you're like But I like owe him cool nothing.
2: I owe him fucking nothing. <laughs> fucking six-year-old self, fuck you. That's how I feel about it.
1: Uh, yeah I love when uh, this is close to what you said but when you ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up and it's an animal <laughs> <Not a> job <laughs> it's like, like what do you want to be when you that's grow awesome. up an elephant <laughs> I'm like that's a good option <laughs> don't be a part of their system <laughs>
0: that's right be a fucking <laughs> elephant when I grow up. You watch.
1: I hate when adults react like, uh oh, huh, stupid kid, you can't become an elephant. And I'm like, don't listen to them. Watch me. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be an elephant? You be a fucking <laughs> elephant.
0: I'm going to be a ninja when I grow up. Just watch me.
1: That is something that I wanted to be. I was pretty nine years old. I was definitely going to be a ninja. A ninja rock star. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. I, will, I definitely wanted to be a Jedi
3: at some point.
0: <laughs> I was actually never into the Jedi. I, that was always yeah. My you wanted to be X wing fighter. Yeah, I was always <laughs> my least favorite part of Star Wars. I'm like, oh, get rid of all this Jedi stuff. Let's get back to the space fights. <laughs> I, uh,
3: yeah, I I was pretty into like medieval stuff, and sword fighting. So the idea of like a laser sword was like that's like peak sword. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was into Arthurian legend at some point.
2: Yeah, I think at some point I wanted to like time travel and be a partisan in the Second World War, which was an <laughs> <Nice>. interesting choice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Weirdly, like, I love choice. dinosaurs, but I never wanted to be a dinosaur. I was never like, I want to mm. be a dinosaur. <laughs>
0: yeah. I just want to become the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even I though the dinosaurs are a... clearly
1: the heroes of Jurassic Park, <laughs> and the humans are the villains. It's <laughs> true.
2: Yeah.
3: I definitely wanted to be a paleontologist after Jurassic
0: Park came out. Yeah.
2: I really it's hated the kids off. in Jurassic Park when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Really hated
0: them. Oh, I identified a lot with the kids in Jurassic Park. Yeah. I so, identified Tim with Tim and
1: I was attracted to Lex, which is a weird combination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand. I'm a lot like this character's little <laughs> little brother <laughs> and I'm attracted to her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, rubs hands together maniacally I, I think the peak <laughs> of that for
0: me was probably Jumanji though that, that Jumanji was there I identified with the little kid but I was like ooh I definitely have a crush on Kirsten Dunst <laughs> you know? movies
1: are That's... fucked up
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no more movies <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh yeah that reminds me there's a part where someone asks someone what their job is in this movie and they're like what do you do whatever <laughs> like, the fuck i want to do
2: oh yeah best, that's awesome best possible answer <laughs>
1: yeah he sadly gets a little creepy after that when he's like why don't you yeah. both come home with me <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah. before that i like his uh, anti-capitalist stance so <laughs> <Yep. laughs>
3: yeah uh, even though it was also somewhat inappropriate I also liked the oyster shucker
1: guy <laughs>
0: Oh yeah
2: old
1: lady be
3: like
2: you ready <laughs> for oh, this It's, it's going so to rock and roll So good <laughs>
1: Yeah <laughs> Yeah I was uh, like I liked it he was he didn't have any restrictions on his flirting he was like if you're gonna buy oysters from me you're getting a flirt <laughs> it's coming in hot and fast yeah <laughs> unlike free, the oyster free flirting, flirting with the oysters
0: <laughs>
2: yeah that lady was not very into it no
1: she wasn't because you hear him say it and then it cuts to her face yeah <laughs> Stone it's just face.
2: Not rage, <laughs> it's just but... like,
0: give me my oysters already.
2: <laughs> but he is undeterred. I was oh,
0: like, man. lady, this is dinner and a show. <laughs> Lighten up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You'd be much prettier if you smiled. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, boy.
2: Oh, man. How many
1: horrible things can Ruben say? <laughs> I say on one podcast? Yeah. Uh... A lot.
3: <laughs> Answer, Many. Many. <Plenty. laughs> I also like the other part with the two characters talking to each other when one of them starts like razzing the other guy and he's like, you're going to smoke my cigarette and then talk shit to me? What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, that's
1: clearly one of the rules of humanity. You can't talk shit to someone when they've just given you something. Like, here's $5 and it's like, oh, it's a wet $5 bill, man. What are you doing? It's like, no, I just gave you the money. (laughs) <laughs> Means I get like a grace period of an hour where you don't dump it to me. <laughs> Basic rules of humanity. Mm-hmm.
3: Did you know people survive from bear attacks and lion attacks? <laughs> That's no. That's when
1: the little kid asks his brother at some point. <laughs> <laughs> he also asks, He keeps asking them and they don't answer whether or not they would have gone to a Michael Jackson show if they got a chance. I mean, who was the answer not yes for that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: of course I would have.
0: I think now I I would, like, un, unlimited yes, but at the time that he died, I don't think that I was that, like, well-versed in Michael Jackson, and I didn't realize. I was like, oh, yeah, he was a genius. He was... What he, a huge he had a spectacle
1: his shows must have been. I know,
0: right? Now I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, for sure, definitely, like, like, <laughs> yeah,
2: it's like probably like one of those people who like, even if you're not super into him, you'd still probably go. Just be like, yeah, I think I'd still go. like if you could, if you could, you probably would. Oh yeah. Um, I feel like, like him and
1: Prince sort of invented yeah. the modern show. Like before, it was just like some people standing on stage playing some music, and they were like, well, what if? we put a bunch of like tv monitors around and like magicians and shit <laughs> <Yeah, laughs>
2: Now going really to see i'm sure you, you too would be very yeah um, we'd be wanting to claim that they, they mm-hmm. had something to do with that as well but yeah, like okay. they have boring rock shows yeah, i
0: mean because they're, they're boring like well, they
2: had to do that because they look really boring on yeah. stage so yeah. they had to like put would, up I a thousand say, monitors yeah i would say maybe james
0: brown is probably the originator of that yeah, and he's the one that they got it from because that was sort of his MO as like he always put on a like, big live show with a really tight band and like he would dance yeah. around the stage and stuff like that and for sure
3: couldn't do that now
0: well it's true too expensive oh no I mean I was going to say it's because he's dead but (laughs) I was just it's very hard then the the
2: tone of what Basil said is really funny then (laughs) (laughs) can't do that now (laughs) you're dead (laughs) fucking dead guy
0: it's hard to dance when you're dead
1: (laughs) no
3: I was just thinking like someone made a joke about it and it feels very true to me, like, how does the arcade fire still make money? Like, <laughs> touring, like, the profit margins are so low. How can I afford to pay, like, 50 people to be in the band still? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> some, just some dude with a helmet on there, like, banging a cowbell or something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I get 50000 a year. <laughs> For bang, this bang this cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe because they sell all their music to movies and television. It's nah, like, oh, you want to use 30 seconds of our song in a car commercial? That'll be $150,000. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Spike
0: Jones is still making movies, so. Yeah,
2: we we got to pay our cowbell guy. He's really getting expensive. <laughs> Arcade,
1: Fire, wise. Arcade Fire's uh, profit 3% touring. Seven percent albums, ninety percent Spike Jones. <laughs> like they have to like eat ramen every year that Spike Jones doesn't make a movie. <laughs> and then they live it up large whenever he releases anything. They're like, ooh, Spike Jones has a script in the works. Oh, yeah. We're gonna eat fancy tonight. <laughs>
3: this by the way turn back on it's the best direction this podcast could have possibly taken <laughs> if we to get in the car
0: we're going to white castle <laughs> mm.
1: they can't fit all of arcade fire in <laughs> one car you <laughs> <It's a laughs> need at least a bus <laughs> it's a clown car <laughs>
0: It's a melancholy, sad clown card that reminds you of childhood.
1: Yep. <laughs> 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 mm. All right. Does anyone have anything else they want to say about Chapitulus? Besides, in your face, kid, you're not going to win six Super Bowl (laughs) rings. That's the note upon which this podcast rests. Yeah. Way to have unrealistic expectations, (laughs) idiot. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. I I hope you're enjoying it. If so, please subscribe using your podcast listening application. Give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Visit our website for all of our content, uh, including our other podcasts, as well as writings and videos. You can also find links to our message board on the website and any of our recent podcasts. You can find discussions about the podcast itself and film in general. Uh you have any questions or comments you can email us at loose podcast at gmail.com. and as long as they are not offensive or cruel we will respond what's the um next movie the last movie in musicians month it's Ilya's pick right
2: then that's um eden
1: eden Woo-hoo. will be the final uh musicians month
0: pick Yeah, let's get some dance music in this. Ready for
2: some house music.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Listeners, if you are interested in watching the movie before the podcast comes out, watch Eden. That will be our next discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. -bye. Bye -bye. Bye -bye. I I think we nailed it. Yeah.